Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. This is Whitney Landa, and we're going to do a follow-up podcast from our methylphenidate family podcast we released two weeks ago, and today we're going to focus on the amphetamines. I'm going to try not to repeat a lot of the same information. For instance, stimulants have the same side effect profile no matter which one we pick. So for a lot of this information, or if you think, wow, this podcast really didn't feel complete, go back and listen to the Methylvenidate Family Podcast. That information will be there for you. So the amphetamine family has a fair amount of diversity in it. There's mixed amphetamine salts commonly known as Adderall, though there's multiple versions of Adderall, such as Avicio. There's dexamphetamine, or dexedrine, and lisdexamphetamine, or Vyvanse. Those are kind of the more common ones. Again, there are more versions of amphetamines. I am focusing on first-line formulary choices. If you have tried a first-line formulary and you want to try something else like Maideas or Dynavel, again, e-consult, or there's lots and lots of those online charts about converting between two different forms of amphetamine. So typically, Adderall XR will be your first line. Adderall XR lasts for about eight hours for people and takes about 45 minutes to kick in. Another great option is Vyvanse or Lisdexamphetamine. That also takes about 45 minutes to start working and lasts around 12 hours, even potentially longer. So it's a great choice for our older teens and adults. And then another one I really like is that Dexedrine. It's very short acting. Uh, so instant release Dexedrine is only gonna last about three hours for most people. And this Vansel, uh, the long acting, is gonna last around six, maybe eight hours for the average patient. There is no instant release version of Vyvanse. So most people, if you need a booster to add to Vyvanse, you'll use the Dexedrine. So I will usually start Adderall XR as my first line because, again, that's usually first line in the formulary. It's one of the more inexpensive stimulants. Even if I have someone come to my office and both their parents are on Vyvanse, all their siblings are on Vyvanse, and all of those first-degree relatives had bad responses to other stimulants, I'm going to try to prescribe the Vyvanse to them first, but 9.9 times out of 10, the insurance says no, they have to try Adderall first, and usually also a methylphenidate. The good news about that is that you can try a stimulant very quickly. So if they try Adderall, they can do that one day, they can try Concerta one day, and then we can go back and say, okay, we tried these, and now I'd like to try that by chance. <laughs> um, and I know that that might be different for you guys because we often are prescribing through different health insurance, prior authorization tracks, um, because a lot of insurance companies do carve out the mental health. So you might have an easier time just prescribing the stimulants based on the family history. But in general, if I have an older teen or adult, I'm going to be trying for Adderall XR or Vyvanse. If I have a young child, 
I'm either going to do the Adderall instant release, which should start working in about 15 minutes and give four hours of coverage for the average teen or adult, or I could do the instant release Dexedrine, which is going to give three-ish hours of coverage for the average adult. Little kids metabolize these more slowly. And so if they're little, especially under the age of six, they might last all day. So we're going to give them a teeny dose of the instant release and see how long it lasts. We certainly don't want to inhibit sleep for those kids. But in general, even older elementary children, I'm going to start with the extended release because most kids have at least an eight hour day with school and after school activities. And it's nice for them to have coverage for that entire time. How I dose amphetamines is the same way I dose methylphenidates. I start with the lowest dose, no matter the age. For adults, I tell them to take it for one or two days, priming the system for side effects. For little kids, I tell them to stay at that dose, or elementary school kids, stay at that dose for a week. For teens, three to five days. And then I want them to try the higher dose. They don't need to stay on the very lowest dose for a month. They should be able to step up their doses every five to seven days, trying to get the optimal effect. You know within that time frame how well the medicine works for you and whether or not it has side effects because those things happen right away with stimulants for ADHD. We don't have to wait weeks for them to work. And again, this is only focused on ADHD and uncomplicated ADHD. I know stimulants are also used off-label for other things or there's you know, unique situations. This podcast is really not addressing those. It's just straightforward, uncomplicated, already diagnosed ADHD. We'll get to those in future podcasts. So I have patients do that and come in and report to me how that went. If the dose is too high, I'll just review. They're going to feel flat, zombied out, jittery, just bad. It can also worsen their focus. So again, that's important. If the dose goes too high, their focus will be worse, not better. But in general, they can't go up too many dosing steps if they've started with, say, 5 milligrams of Adderall XR. They're going to run out when they hit around 15 milligrams. So we can check in and see how it's going. And then if they say, oh, it's perfect, I tell them at any point, if it feels perfect, stop there. Don't go up any further. Or if they say, you know, it helps. I have this horrible stomach ache or, you know, it doesn't do anything at all. Then we're going to go ahead and switch to another agent. If it works well, I'll switch to a different amphetamine. If they tell me it just doesn't really seem to work or it really worsens my mood, then I'm going to jump over to a methylphenidate, even if it's anxiety as part of that mood, because they might have a different response on that other family of stimulants. And there is no difference in efficacy at the population level between an amphetamine and a methylphenidate or any given stimulant. It's all individual to that person. And unfortunately, outside of family history, that is a trial and error process. The nice thing again in psychiatry is it's a quick trial and error process versus, uh, okay, let's give this six weeks and check in kind of process, which is our norm. We reviewed most common side effects in our methylphenidate podcast. 
but there were a couple situations we didn't touch on, one of which is sexual side effects. So stimulants can cause sexual side effects. They can also help sexual side effects that were caused by an SSRI per se. But a lot of people, if the stimulant works really well, will co-prescribe Viagra or something else to help with erectile dysfunction. I prefer to try a different stimulant or a different medicine and see if it works always before prescribing an agent to treat a side effect. But that is an option if that's the one that works really well and they have erectile dysfunction as a side effect. If they've lost their libido, that's a little harder to recoup. So we're trying to lower the dose or use other agents. So let's say you found a really good fit for them for their focus and their ability to follow through on tasks and overall the stimulant seems to be working well, but it didn't help their motivation. They still feel kind of sluggish. A lot of things still seem pretty boring or they still have this kind of core of irritability and we're thinking, okay, this feels like depression and we do a screen and it comes up positive for depression. I get asked a lot, well, what can I combine with the stimulant? Because while stimulants have an antidepressant effect for some people and have evidence in certain conditions for depression, it's not our standard treatment. And for the bulk of patients, they will need an antidepressant as well. So you want to be careful if you're combining Wellbutrin or an SNRI with a stimulant. So Wellbutrin is also a dopamine and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, just like all of our stimulants are. And so that can cause a lot more side effects. So we just need to be really cautious. Sometimes I'll decrease their stimulant dose to start Wellbutrin. I will definitely do that if I'm starting anything other than the XL, because I know that can be uncomfortable, make them feel jittery, or push them into the poor focus zone, right? Because all of a sudden they have too much of that dopamine and norepinephrine reuptake in their system. And for full details on why, one of our follow-up podcasts is going to be, what exactly is ADHD? And I'm going to go through that in detail. So the full neuroscience behind ADHD. Stay tuned. So I typically will go towards something more serotonergic. SNRIs at lower doses are serotonergic. So for instance, Cymbalta doesn't start becoming noradrenergic till 40 to 60 milligrams more significantly once you raise above 60 milligrams. Effects are same thing around 150 milligrams a day is when we really start to see that norepinephrine reuptake. But I'm probably going to lean towards the SSRIs or something like mirtazapine um, that I know is really a serotonergic agent so that I don't have too much overlap there. Less risk of making them jittery, agitated, or causing insomnia. Or if it's predominantly a comorbid anxiety and I don't want to use an SSRI, I could go towards Buspar for either anxiety or depression. Lamictal could be considered since neither of those have strong norepinephrine or dopamine reuptake inhibition, they would both be fine to pair with the amphetamine and you wouldn't have to worry about lowering the dose or having too much norepinephrine reuptake inhibition. As I mentioned in the methylphenidate podcast, it's really good to fill 
comfortable and fluent in at least two amphetamines and two methylphenidates because those are great conversion charts you see on the internet. And again, we can help you convert between one or the other. Dexedrine, Adderall, and Vyvanse are different from each other, just the same way that methylphenidate and dexmethylphenidate is different. So it's less of an exact conversion. So if I'm switching medicine and say the person was on 20 milligrams of Adderall, but it just didn't last long enough or they had a bad crash and I want to try Vyvanse, I still go through the full Vyvanse dosing. So starting them at 10 or 20 and then going up slowly by 10 milligram increments because Lizdex amphetamine is not exactly the same as amphetamine salts. And I want to make sure that I'm not shooting too high on that dose right off the bat just because they were on another amphetamine first. It never hurts to take a step back on the dosing, have the patient try that out for a few days, and then step up if it doesn't work well. I've also found when you find the right agent, the overall dose tends to be a little bit lower, which makes sense, right? It's just working better for them, and so they don't need quite as much of it. Other things that really influence the dosing with amphetamines, if you eat a really high-fat diet in the morning, especially kids, they've got a kind of a fatty breakfast, that will change Adderall absorption, so they might see some differences there depending on their breakfast and how close to breakfast they took it. Any stimulant, if you add coffee or other stimulants on top of them, that's going to increase risk of side effects. It might push you over into that poor focus zone. So I usually tell people to cut back or eliminate their extra caffeine sources when we're starting stimulants and then adding it back very, very slowly. You know, coffee is not just for caffeine, it's also a pleasure for a lot of people. I usually will try Adderall or Vyvanse before Dexedrine unless it's in a younger child because they last longer and older teens and adults will most often need BID dosing for Dexedrine Spansol because it's an intermediate release agent and the bulk of patients really will only fill it for about six hours. Amphetamines don't need ascending blood levels to continue to work, so it's great. You get to ditch some of the meth, and you don't have to worry as much about you know how much your morning booster would be compared to your evening booster. It's all kind of the same. Another thing that's important to know about stimulants is if they're combined with opiates and benzodiazepines together, all three of those can increase the risk of sudden death. So if you see a lot of other you know, opiates, benzos on people's prescription list, I would avoid stimulants. I've had some people with ADHD where I tell them, look, you cannot have Ativan and sometimes have an opiate and have this Vyvanse. You really have to eliminate one of those. And ideally, they would eliminate both the benzodiazepine and the opiates. Stimulants have extremely good long-term safety data. You can take them every day at standard prescribed doses, and they're very, very safe. We don't have that same reassurance, right, around benzodiazepines and opiates. So I'm always pushing people to get off of those on a regular basis, and I'm 
often pushing people to take their stimulants on a more regular basis because we have that good safety data and they're so useful in terms of people being able to really engage and succeed in their lives. Stimulants are incredibly helpful agents. They're our most effective agent for ADHD. And unless a patient has a contraindication, like an active eating disorder or an ongoing substance use disorder, I really strongly encourage you to start with stimulants because they do work so well. And for people who have ADHD, they're very safe. So we've got the long-term safety data. We also know if you're starting stimulants in a younger person, their risk of substance abuse goes back down to the average risk for an adolescent. It starts out much higher. Treating ADHD reduces the risk of automobile accidents for people with ADHD. It reduces their risk of depression and anxiety. It actually even reduces their risk of suicide. So we want to treat the ADHD. We want to treat it successfully. So unless there's a reason to avoid them, please consider starting with the stimulants. People who have ADHD do not become addicted to their stimulants. There's lots of studies showing that. So if the diagnosis has been made through neuropsych testing or you feel like they got a great diagnosis, very thorough from a psychiatrist, or you've known them for several years and you feel very comfortable with this being uncomplicated ADHD, don't hesitate with the stimulants. Give them a try. And you'll see they are just life-changing for these patients. I hope everyone enjoys this beautiful sunny day if you're listening to it on the day of the release. And I hope whatever day you listen to it, you have a beautiful sunny day too.